Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up? Yes, it's Shira and Ryan Basham joins me in the studio filling in for Ryan Mitchell. Welcome back to the show. Why, thanks for having me. Yeah, a lot has happened um, over the past few days since you were here. Some really unfortunate stuff. It's been a a pretty intense 24 hours. Pretty intense, yeah. Right? To say the least. Um, And so we actually have a lot coming up on the show today. We have some fun stuff. We have a a musician joining us, LP, so stick around for that. We're not saying it's all going to be heavy, right? Yeah, we're going to try and, you know... Spice it up a little. It, exactly. But we're going to be having uh, Tony Montalto, president and CEO of Stand with Parkland and father of the late Gina Montalto, joining us in 30 minutes um, to discuss everything that happened in Texas and Uvalde. And also uh, joining us in uh, at 3.25 p.m. Pacific, 6.25 p.m. Eastern, we have the founder of DBT in Schools here to discuss how we could be responding to this as adults and being there for our children when tragedies like this happen. Like, how do you have that conversation? Where does this leave kids in terms of, like, going to school and the psychology around all this? Super important. Which is a lot, right? Yeah, super important. So stick around for that. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Um, as we've mentioned in the latest numbers coming out of Texas is that at least 19 children have been killed, multiple injuries reported after the shooting at the elementary school. Um, you know, at least 21 people are actually dead, including those 19 children, because there are a few teachers as well that are, and those who worked at the school that were unfortunately Yeah, I mean, I mean, we this. say children, we say, we mean young kids. Yeah. They're not teenagers. Just young kids. Yeah, this is an elementary school. Yeah. The suspect in the shooting is dead also. Following the incident at Robb Elementary, victims were taken to Uvalde Memorial Hospital and University Hospital in San Antonio. Um, And here is actually President Biden speaking out about the tragedy that happened yesterday today. And uh, we must ask, when in God's name will we do what needs to be done to, if not completely stop, fundamentally change the amount of the carnage that goes on in this country. To state the obvious, and Corey and a lot of other people here, I'm sick and tired. I'm just sick and tired of what's going on. It continues to go on. Now, this is going to be a huge conversation between Democrats and Republicans right now, unfortunately, as we figure out how to move forward from this. Yeah, and I and Republicans are going to continue to not let anything be done about it. It's It's really so difficult to have these conversations and to feel like there can be any change when, yeah, we're hostages of, it seems, these senators right now. Um, Meanwhile, conservative commentator Candace Owens had to get into this conversation with this tweet uh, with these photos referencing who she thought the shooter was and actually using a picture of a trans individual, individual who she falsely identified as the mass shooter. And let's be clear, lots of conservatives, Representative Paul Gosar, I mean, elected Republicans. I mean, this is something that creeped out of the far right on the Internet, and then Republicans picked up on it like that's okay. It's really horrible. Um, This person has been identified as Sam, a trans woman who lives in Georgia, and Reddit users actually started commenting on a photo of her that she shared on the platform three months ago. So, like, that's how it was all figured out, that this was not the person, obviously. Yes. And the shooter, who has been identified as 18-year-old Salvador Ramos, was killed on scene by the police, as we mentioned. But we're going to talk more about this whole thing tomorrow on the show, because NBC News reporter Joe Yurkeba, who's been on before from NBC Out, will be joining us to talk more about that. Excellent.
Moving on to another story coming out today, Colin Kaepernick, who last played football in 2016, the same year he started kneeling during the national anthem to protest racial injustice, is actually scheduled to work out this week for the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's according to league sources who told that to ESPN. So that just broke also before the show. That's so great. Yeah. So great. So that's some good news. Yeah, we'll take right? it. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, well, welcome to the T-Report, where right now we're going to talk about even more bizarre things coming out of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Mm-hmm. It's 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 getting weirder and weirder. So first thing I want to share with you is the New York Post uh, reported today that um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has hit their top 10 uh, on Netflix uh, since this trial began. It's now currently at number eight, uh, Entertainment Weekly reported. So, you know, I mean, interest in this is just getting bigger and bigger. Um, uh, Also, uh, 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 the New York Post reports that... um, (laughs) So TMZ has filed an emergency motion in court to prevent Johnny Depp from calling a former TMZ employee um, in the ongoing defamation suit. Apparently, she is the person who provided TMZ with a video of Depp yelling at her and slamming the cabinet doors. I just, um, it gets weirder and weirder, but check this out. Did you hear about this? There was a woman in the courtroom who uh, got up and yelled, Johnny, I love you, and our souls are connected, and then this baby is yours. She held up her baby and said, this baby is yours. I can't. What is happening in this world? It's like a, it's a circus. This is a human race right here. This is it. Right? Oh, my lordy. All right, well, thank you for those updates on that trial. (laughs) <laughs> those trials yeah, and tribulations oh, oh, yes exactly a- anything else coming up on the t-report next hour oh you know what i'm gonna leave you guessing okay perfect stick around for that lighter fare here on the show today uh but coming up next the latest details we know around the texas shooting and what is happening on the ground there with the washington post after this let's go there with shira and ryan channel q During a live news conference in Uvalde, actually, Beto O'Rourke, the Democratic nominee for governor, confronted Governor Greg Abbott and other leaders over what Republican leaders have done legislatively. And you'll hear this clip right now. You'll hear him coming up to them, them kind of cursing him out and Governor Abbott saying nothing. So here's that. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down and don't play this stuff. is right now and you are doing nothing. No. You should get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to show. National reporter at the Washington Post, Sylvia Foster Frau, joins us right now. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, this is the deadliest school shooting in Texas history. How is Governor Greg Abbott responding to this this tragedy? Any calls to action that we've seen so far? He seemed pretty silent when he was called out there. Yeah, so, you know, I think what we're seeing is a pattern that folks who have covered Texas um, before um, have seen before, which is, Um, largely framing around mental health issues. You know, um, we've seen in the past there have been mass shootings in Texas. There was a Santa Fe school shooting. There was an El Paso Walmart mass shooting. Um, There have been mass shootings in Texas in recent years, and um, there have not been efforts to, you know, restrict and um, gun access basically to folks. You know, you can look even in last year in 2021, um, the the Texas legislator later actually ended the re- requirement to have a permit to carry handguns. So if anything, we've seen a loosening of gun laws in previous years. And I think there's not much hope that that would change now. What do we know about mental health as it pertains to gun violence? Because I think I feel like Republicans often try to make it about mental health and, of course, do nothing about it. But but what do we know about the real statistics around mental health as it pertains to gun violence? Yes. I mean, the fact is that there are, um, you know, way more people that struggle with mental health and are, are not violent. And and so I think that's a really important angle. And a lot of folks are worried that there is by, you know, emphasizing this focus, it's also creating a stigma right yeah. around people who struggle with mental health issues. Definitely. So so many details have been changing, you know, including the numbers of those who were killed. What are the latest? What are we hearing right now? Yep, we're hearing right now that it was 19 children and two teachers who passed away that were in a fourth grade classroom. Um, that That's what we know so far. And that the gunman himself um also died. We're not sure. Um, there seem to be some reports that he 
it's possible he turned the gun on himself. We know that authorities were also shooting at him. Um, so that's still yet to be fully determined. And, and what do we know about, even though I don't like censoring the shooter in these incidents, but exactly like what do we know about him in terms of what's coming out and anything that could have shown that this could have happened? Yeah, so I spoke with some of the shooter's close friends, or I should say former close friends, because both um, the, the the two boys or men, really, that I spoke with yesterday said that he changed pretty significantly in recent years in high school. So, you know, before that, he was pretty much just like any kid. They would be play Call of Duty and Fortnite video games. They would play basketball in the park, that kind of thing. But um, he did seem to struggle with a home li- his home life. There are reports right now that um, his mom may have abused drugs and um, that they had a very tumultuous relationship. He lived with his grandmother off and on. Um, and also that he was bullied um, kind of throughout school, called names frequently. Um, he had a speech impediment and a lisp that I think um, really kind of made him, the, the sense that I got from the folks I spoke to was that he was kind of an outcast in his school. And I think in recent years, it sounds like he took a turn for the worse. He started dressing very dramatically different, um, posting images of weapons, of guns and knives and things like that, that really created distance between him and his friends. Wow. Um, we don't have a ton of time, but I would love to know, um, I know you've been talking to a lot of families there. What are what are the families in the community saying? About him or just about the... About event? the incident. About yeah. the incident. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just in shock and grieving. You know, a lot of folks really can't even talk to us right now because they're still processing what's going on. It was just a regular day going to school and dropping your kids off. And then the next thing you know, you're at the center of this national tragedy that, you know, there's media swooping down over there. And I, they're going to have a long road to recovery and healing. And I think um, there is a strong sense, though, that they have a, a strong community that will help the parents and family members and teachers and schools really all pull through this and, you know, be resilient. Definitely. Okay, that was Washington Post national reporter Sylvia Foster-Frau. Thank you again. Yes, thank you. So so important. And what's coming up next, Ryan? So next, you know, when these things happen, a lot of organizations, many of which are founded by parents of kids who have been killed, speak up and speak out. We'll be talking to the parent of a child lost in the Parkland shooting and his work who is working to prevent more of these senseless acts of violence next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. Amidst the latest tragedy, a mass shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, which is now the deadliest school shooting in Texas history, organizations led by survivors as well as parents who have lost their children in shootings speak up and work to renew the conversation about gun violence prevention. With us now is Tony Montalto, president and CEO of Stand with Parkland and father of Gina Montalto. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Tony. Hi, how are you today? Well, thank you, um, and and thank you so much for joining us. I know this is um, a challenging time, but uh, I, you know, at the same time, I know that you go through this a lot. When this happens, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Well, um, school shootings are particularly difficult um, because my forever fourteen-year-old daughter was murdered in her school back in uh, twenty eighteen. So, uh, sadly, yesterday's events in Texas brought us right back to to the feelings we had when we learned that, uh, that Gina had been murdered along with 13 of her classmates and, and three of her teachers. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. And yet you have to come on. And unfortunately, when these things happen, speak out, right, about your experience and what you're doing. So what continues to give you that courage to do this? Well, um, we need to find ways to uh, honor our lost loved ones and uh, the families who had a loved one taken from them in Parkland have banded together to form Stand With Parkland, the National Association of Families for Safe Schools. Um, We know that uh, the status quo didn't work, and we know that uh, we needed it to change. So uh, we're uh, uniquely uh, inclusive. We're nonpartisan. Um, We work with people on both sides of the aisle who want to make our schools safe. Um, We look at things in a little bit more of a holistic pattern, uh, which we call the school safety triad which is uh, securing the campus, improving 
mental health and uh, screening and support programs. And finally, if you choose to own one, making sure we have responsible firearms owners. Um, all three of those things failed us that terrible February day. And uh, I'm afraid as the investigation continues, we're going to find that they failed the people in Texas yesterday. Wow. Um, you know, from your vantage point, I'm, I'm curious what you think it's going to take to finally make real change on this issue. Well, what it's going to take is Americans coming together uh, as an American family to protect our children and our teachers in our schools, to protect the future of our nation. We're going to need to come together and start looking for solutions instead of start looking for problems. That is definitely true. It seems like everything we're doing just continues to create more problems. It's like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Have you seen shifts since you started, you know, the organization Stand With Parkland and this triad that you talked about? Are you seeing that being implemented? Are people listening and lawmakers? Yes, we've had, uh, you know, shortly after the shooting, we were able to uh, help get the Fix Nicks Act passed, which uh, helped close some of the loopholes in the background check system. We also saw the Stop School Violence Act get passed shortly after the shooting, which provided money to secure the campuses. It also provided money to create behavioral threat assessment teams in the schools. Um, that was on the federal level. Here in Florida, we've passed uh, some form of school safety legislation for the last five sessions, um, touching on everything from uh, firearms to securing the campus to uh, improved and, and better money for mental health programs. Um, you know, we've also worked in, in New Jersey, New York, uh, we're currently working in Pennsylvania and Virginia um, to move our, our mission forward. Um, you know, I, I, I know that a lot of people, when, when these things happen, they feel helpless because it seems like we talk about making change and it seems like it's incremental. What can folks who want to do something about this do to be more involved or, or, or move the ball forward? Well, uh, the change has to be incremental. So I'll just say that we have to stop expecting the wave of a magic wand to -hmm. fix this. If we eliminated every firearm today, there would still be problems in our schools and attacks on our schools. It's not just one thing. And we have to stop focusing on one thing. It's a multi-layered problem. And we need to work on improving each of those layers as often as we possibly can. What do you have to say to Governor Greg Abbott on a day like today? I uh, have to say that uh, we need your team to look at the school safety triad in its totality. Um, We need to find ways to secure the campus. You need to find ways to improve mental health screening and support programs. Uh, And we need to address uh, responsible firearms ownership. Um, One way we did that in Florida that is also in effect in, in 19 other states in the District of Columbia was by passing a red flag law. Red flag laws are extreme risk protection orders, uh, provide a mechanism where law enforcement can remove weapons from somebody who's deemed a danger to themselves or others. That person in uh, in, uh, Florida, we uh, report to the police, the police investigate, the police go to the judge, judge issues the order to remove the weapons. Within two weeks, there's a hearing, uh, thus ensuring due process. And then the issue is decided whether uh, the weapons need to be removed for a year or not. At the end of that year, there's an opportunity for for the respondent to come back and prove that they're no longer a threat. The idea is not to punish people permanently. The idea is to give people time to get help. These laws are proactive. The shooter that took my daughter's life the law enforcement visited his home over 40 times. Wow. They had no mechanism to remove the weapons from this individual. Since this law has been passed in Florida, Mm -hmm. it's been used nearly 5,000 times. Wow. And despite the fears of the right that the sky would fall, uh, the sky has not fallen. People still hunt in Florida. People still are able to protect themselves. And we've used it 5,000 times to protect the lives of Floridians. That's incredible. Um, I, I just want to commend you for the thoughtfulness you bring to this. It's, it's, really, it's really refreshing, and it gives me hope. Um, that was Tony Montalto, uh, president and CEO of Stand With Parkland. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tony. Okay, thank you guys for having me. Of course. And uh, please check out 
StandWithParkland.org for more information, including our five questions that every family should ask about school safety. StandWithParkland.org. We'll we'll do that. Thank you so much. Shira, what's next? We'll be back with more of Let's Go There and, of course, top of the hour news after this. Stick around. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yep, we're back and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Right now we've got more show. It is Shira, Ryan Basham filling in for Ryan Mitchell here in the studio. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, girl. Hey. Great having you here as always. And we have some uh, lighter fare mixed in with everything that's happening, of course, to keep you informed. But LP, who has a new album, Churches, that came out in December uh, of... 2021. She's currently touring the album. Just played the Greek Theater this past Saturday. Huge venue. LP joins us in 30 minutes. Really excited to talk to her today. It's been a while since we've had like a musician on, I feel. That's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, because typically we talk a lot about the news happening. I mean, we do what's important. Yeah. And sex and relationships too, by the way. Uh, still important. Exactly. Plus why people are calling out Ricky Gervais, you know, the comedian, for his latest special. That's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. Hours after a shooter killed at least 21 people in Uvalde, Texas, Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr gave a really passionate plea for gun reform. And this was a video that has been just shared everywhere. We, you know, you might have already heard it, but we thought we would replay it right now. Since we left shoot around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here and a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo, we've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California, and now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. Wow. Um very powerful and by the way we've been seeing this from coaches across the board you know in texas also um speaking out like the whole sports industry is espn there's been personalities speaking out today i just am so glad that um people who are most commonly uh important figures to people who are conservative yeah um uh are speaking out you know definitely meanwhile here's senate majority leader chuck schumer today i repeat though we are going to vote on gun legislation The American people are tired of moments of silence, tired of the kind words offering thoughts and prayers. We can use the domestic terrorism bill tomorrow to begin, I repeat, to begin considering gun safety amendments. And we can consider the proposal he brings to the floor today. So we won't just have this amendment, we'll have a lot of amendments. All right. Well, that was somewhat trending this hour. More coming up the next hour. Uh, but what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, it's time for the T Report. So I don't know if you've seen Ricky Gervais's new Netflix special. It just came nope. out. Uh, and so he's he's getting some backlash that I think is deserved. Uh, uh, he makes some what I would call transphobic remarks. Um, uh uh, you know, he and, and he's facing backlash. And one of the things he said to BBC One's The One Show is, I think that's what comedy is for, getting us over taboo subjects so that they're not scary anymore. Um, you know, he goes on to say that, you know, he thinks that his audience can handle dark humor. But, you know, what he actually said is kind of the who's who of basic transphobic tropes. Mm. Um, there isn't a punchline that goes, just kidding, these are awful. Um, you know, and Glad has labeled the special as dangerous and graphic um, and added that the show consists of anti-trans rants masquerading as comedy. I think that's true, and I'm tempted to cancel my Netflix subscription over this. Wow. Yeah, between this and Dave Chappelle. It's yeah. Like, I mean, what how is mu- going enough on? is enough. And they've just put out a policy saying they're going to be more inclusive of stuff like this. What? Netflix, do better. It doesn't make sense. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, Coming up next, though, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, in schools, how parents and teachers can come together right now. And how are you supposed to talk to kids, right? Whether you're a parent or you have someone in your family about what's happening, you know, right now and the tragedies that are happening right now across this country. We have someone joining us from DBT in schools after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. With the latest school shooting, it's bringing up a lot for a lot of people, including parents. I think a lot is brought up in terms of, one, how do you have a conversation around actually what is going on with kids? And then also, 
as a whole conversation around mental health ha- happens, how do you even bring that into what's going on right now, right? How do we bring mental health into schools? Is that even a solution, right? When obviously on the other side of the spectrum, we talk about gun reform yeah. and gun regulation. Yeah. So how does this intersect with what's happening at schools, the experience of being a parent, and also connecting with kids right now. Well, I couldn't think of a better guest to talk about that. Jim Jim Mazza, who runs DBT in Schools. Check it out, dbtinschools.com. Jim, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here. And so I want to get into this with you. When something like this happens, what conversation are you having with parents? Yeah, so I've had a bunch of parents ask me if they should be talking to the kids about this, and my reply is absolutely yes, right? What we want our parents to do, and as difficult as these conversations are, is to allow transparency that, yes, you know, these things are happening. It's really difficult. It's hard on the adults, too, so you want your, you want your kiddos to see that parents don't have the answers, too. And we want to provide a bridge of communication that allows our kids to see us struggling with some of the same issues that they're struggling with. And, you know, the big question that the kiddos ask us, you know, six, seven, eight years old is why? And we don't have the answer to that. What we do know is that people that are a part of these uh, mass shootings are in a lot of emotional pain. And so we, we start to teach uh, in schools, uh, elementary, middle, high school, about how do we communicate and talk about pains that we're having, especially if they're emotionally uh, difficult, and so that we can figure out ways to reach out. And then as the parents, we also talk about, you know, saying that we're going to keep our kids as safe as possible and that when anything comes up, that you, the parent, is always there. You won't judge them. You just want to give them an opportunity to talk about what's going on for them. I find this so fascinating, and I'm a big fan of DBT in general, and I I think about when I was a kid growing up, how, uh, you know, emotional intelligence skills were not a part of the curriculum, not a part of the offering at all, and and now we're in a place where in Florida, they've banned social-emotional learning in schools, so it's it's kind of wild, and I I wonder if you can talk a little bit about, you know, what parents can do to, you know, foster this kind of stuff in relationship with their kids starting now so the next time there's a crisis to discuss there's already a a, a platform to speak about it on yeah great great point uh i think you know this is my professional opinion that you know i think we do have to have stl in schools right and i think that it's really important that we've got to start getting away from the the notion that schools are only for academic achievements and so it's about education and sometimes that education is coping strategies and decision making right and clearly this, this person, this 18-year-old, didn't have very good coping strategies or decision-making. So I think we, started, we need to teach that at an earlier age. I think for parents, what we want to do is say, hey, there was a tragedy. There were 19 young children that died due to someone who couldn't, um, who had so much emotional pain that they couldn't reach out for help and ask for help. And I want to make sure that I'm here for you anytime that you're experiencing this or that you're there for a friend. And so we start having these hard conversations. And so, you know, as a parent of a 10-year-old, right, so that's some of the same ages as some of the kids that died, you know, I'm talking to my daughter about these things and saying that, hey, this is where we support each other. This is where I want you to tell me what's going on for you, and I'm always here no matter what, right? And that's the kind of uh, communication I think that we need to be providing our kids that that we're transparent. We don't have to have the answers. Yeah, We just need to let our kids know that we love them and that we are doing the best we can for them. Yeah, and I know while you're a professional, you are very angry, too. Yes, I'm, I'm very angry. I have seen this. I was here doing my professional work when Columbine happened, and that's 20-some-odd yeah, wow. years ago. We've seen this, and we're unfortunately going to see it again. If we're not going to do anything to get these guns out of the hands of some of the people that are using them this way, right, then we're going to see it again. Yep. Okay. So we're not doing yep. enough. Yep, that is true. Uh, that was Jim Mazza. Uh, check out his work and any sort of you know insight or guidance for how you should be having these conversations with kids at dbtinschools.com. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, what's coming up next, Ryan? Oh, this is so exciting. Yes, um, we're, sh- we're shifting gears here. We're shifting gears. This is a little bit of light affair, a little bit of yes. fun. So uh, musician LP is an American singer-songwriter who's written hits for Cher, Christina Aguilera, Rihanna, Celine Dion, etc. Um, and they're joining us next to talk about their latest album uh, and tour. And the album is called Churches. Okay, stick How around fun. for that next.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, a lot of people come to Channel Q for the music. Yeah, isn't that something? Yep. So we got to spotlight some amazing musicians in the community. Absolutely. That's like my favorite part. And it's been a heavy 24 hours, as we've mentioned. Yes. So I'm so excited to have our next guest. This is going to be great. It is. Really, we need this. Um, LP is a queer singer-songwriter. They've written for huge names like Cher, Christina Aguilera, Rihanna, Celine Dion, my favorite fellow Canadian, and more. Uh, Their latest hit, Lost on You, even just hit one billion streams. How about that? Incredible. Yeah, let's take a listen. on you that's live version on youtube over one billion streams that's pretty iconic and guess what lp joins us right now and let's go there welcome to the show are you there hey now i hear you (laughs) what's up (laughs) i know isn't that fun right when you hear it on the radio now lp you've got a new album out called churches you're currently doing an international tour how's it going right now you are busy Uh, it's good, you know. I uh, I just finished um, my U.S. tour Sunday night, so, um, and uh, you know, I just like kind of hung out with friends for a a day or so, um, and uh, I don't know, it wasn't a lot of time home. I leave at eight o'clock in the morning tomorrow, so basically like three days home, and I I think I did the most I could. I did the best I could. <laughs> and then you're moving on, right, to some international spots. Yeah, uh, we go. We're going to Mexico for uh, four yeah. shows: uh, uh, Guadalajara, Monterrey, and then two Mexico City shows, and then uh, off to uh, fly into Paris and start to kick off the European tour there. What a life! This is so exciting. I would love to spend my summer touring Europe. So color me jealous. Um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I have to say, I'm just so, I'm just I'm so in awe of your career. And I wonder, you know, what has? I mean, I don't know. In a way, it feels like you're peaking now, but at the same time, you've been peaking. Consistently for years, <laughs> keep peaking. So I'm wondering, what what have you learned from your success so far that you know has changed you, or that you know in a way maybe perhaps you wish you had known going in? You know, I have to say, I mean, as much as I could say, oh, what should happen sooner, or whatever the hell it is, I you know, I really, I don't know if I would have appreciated it so deeply the way I do, um, and really enjoyed it in real time so much as. You know, because I feel like sometimes, you know, you just get so overwhelmed. And, and you know, I've I've had the um, the window into um, other people's careers through writing for other yep. people. And I've just seen so many people, like, young, awesome, very talented people, like, either miss the whole thing because they, like, were so worried about the future or not even make it because they thought they were set and all these different combinations of, like, you know... Uh, Things that like kind of t- take away from um, the true what I consider success, you know, which is just um, being present and enjoying it while it's happening, which is what I'm able to do because um, I wouldn't change anything. It was it was really hard, yeah. Um, but it but it was it is so it's been so rewarding that and it keeps going. Like you said, I it's always like that, you know. I feel like like myself included, people are always like. Um, it you just it just keeps kind of growing, but in this really interesting slow trajectory incline. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. You know, I'm not planning on stopping, and then I'm going to try to see if I can, you know, keep it moving. Yeah. Again, we're talking to singer songwriter LP right now, and you, as you mentioned, you've written for so many amazing talent like Cher and Rihanna. Have you always brought your queer identity into your music, or were you taking on their voices, and now um, finally you get to like bring it into what you're doing now? I gotta say, I don't even, I don't really think about it. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, I don't like think about, you know, like, like they say, love is love. You know, I can't like, romantic love to me is the same 
and for whoever, you know, I've been on the other side, you know, I've, I've had a hetero relationship, not, you know, not in a mad long time, but, um, but you know, I, it's, it's the same trajectory. It's the same feelings, you know, they're not. So to me, I don't even think about, um, being queer. I don't, I don't, um, you know, it's, it's just all emotion. And, um, and, uh, I think that serves me the best, you know, I've had mostly straight artists cut songs I've written for myself. So, it doesn't change it. Uh, this is just, you know, it, it's so exciting to talk to you at this moment in your career. I just can't, I just can't get over it. And uh, I wonder though, like <laughs> Ryan's fangirl. I am. I'm fangirling over here. Um, it's true. It. It's nice. true. And, and by the way, what you said about um, glad that it's happening now in your life. I've always said, like, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Musketeer, but now I think if I had, I probably would have pulled an Amanda Bynes <laughs> and crashed into a tree on Sunset. Um, because yeah, so, you know, I mean, people go through a lot. You know, a person absolutely. like Justin Bieber. I'm so impressed with that guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to land on your feet and be like, you know, not a nut job and not lose all your, your mind or your money. or your, I mean, not, that guy started with everything. I mean, you know, it's like kid was 13 and 30-year-old women were like, I would uh, go there, yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I hear you. I mean, like, he's, he's like, you know, he's an anomaly of like that kind of thing, you know. And, and, and anybody, you know, anybody that gets through to a certain level I don't care what you think of them. They did a lot of work mentally and physically to um, to sustain even five seconds in the limelight. It's, it's a lot. Totally. You so know, and, and it's cool. We have like 30 seconds. But um, just quickly tell people uh, more about churches and why they should go to an LP concert. Because it seems <laughs> like your shows are pretty amazing. I think, you know... Um, I think there's a level that I strive for, you know, I hope I hit it every time as, or as close to it as possible of like, I won't call it old school entertainment, but real school entertainment, you know, it's like, um, not a lot of bells and whistles. Um, but, uh, like just, um, real shit, you know, and, and um, real singing and all that stuff. And I'm saying, I'm not saying people don't, but I mean, it's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, heart in it and, um, trying to, um, I don't, I don't know how to do it anyway, but I'm saying it's like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, 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 um, it's a real take on what, what I do. If there's not a lot of differences from the record. Um, uh, and I think, I don't know, I think I enjoy performing. I enjoy connecting with people and, uh, I think, you know, they could feel that it was, I was my last couple of shows, my last show, um, second last show was in LA and yeah. it was interesting cause it was like, you know, it, it was big, and but it was like, you know, I had a shit ton of friends there. I was joking at one point. I was like, on the mic, I was like, did anybody pay for this concert? <laughs> you know? Oh, come on. I mean, I just, I just kept seeing all my friends. And, no, you know, it's and I was great. Like, <laughs> all, all my friends on the list, you know? And, uh, but anyway, but like, so, you know, when you're in New York, when I'm in New York or L.A., my two hometowns, basically, I, you know, I, uh, I, I really feel like I, I'm, you know, it's a it's a bigger deal because I feel like those two cities are so like, you know, jaded for lack of a better word. And and you know the happiness that was going on in the Greek the other night was just profound. I mean, it it was really it was really interesting. Everybody was just like um, palpably having have great time, so, like a happy time. LP, we love you. We have to go to commercial, oh, but I want to tell people to cool. go to check out your Instagram. I am LP official. Uh, <laughs> great hair, great outfits, fun music, and have a great rest of your tour. You too. Thank you so much. Have a great one. You too. Yeah. We'll be back Bye with again. more. Let's go there and headlines top of hour after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, yes, we are back. Thanks for hanging out with us and for listening to that great music here on Channel Q. Heck more yeah. to come. Right now we're getting to more show. And again, yes, I am Shira. Ryan Basham filling in for Ryan Mitchell on the show. No relation. That's my go-to joke. No relation. I know. Producer Jesse wants us to stuff too. <laughs> He's like, just please with the Ryan <laughs> jokes. Enough is enough. Coming up in 30 minutes, we're going to be uh, talking about how to stop being attracted to unavailable people. Now, I, I actually really like this conversation, not just for those who are single, but actually the same things that come up for how you're attracted to unavailable people, like in intimate relationships, come up actually in your work life too. Absolutely. And with friends and everything. Yes. So more on that in 30 minutes. Plus why Walmart is apologizing for selling ice cream. Ryan's got that tea in a moment. Yes, ma'am. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. As the debate continues on the Senate floor uh, today, as we respond to the latest Texas shooting, here's one Republican Senator Mike Lee with 
no solutions, it seems, just this blame. Every time one of these tragedies occurs, I think we, we, we for far too long just failed to look back at the root causes of rampage violence. Questions involving things like why, why was our culture suddenly producing so many young men who want to murder innocent people? Raises questions like, you know, good things like fatherlessness, uh, the breakdown of families, isolation from civil society or the glorification of violence be contributing factors. Instead, the left, once again, is calling for more gun control. Shut! Like, you don't even have fatherless or are fatherless and don't go shooting up schools or other places? I mean, it's kind of sideways shade at single moms. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is so true. I just don't look. I I just can't with him talking about people coming for uh, law-abiding citizens. I mean, you can't drive. You can't even get a full driver's license in most states without going through a whole period of learner's permitness. You know, you can't. I mean, you can't rent a car until you're 21 or 25 in some places. There, and yet, the day you turn 18, you can go out and buy a weapon that kills you know dozens of people in under two minutes. We are not saying that people who are responsible can't have weapons. No, we're, we're saying not. that there should be background checks and certain limitations for those who aren't in a place to do so, I'm, so we could avoid stuff like this. You can't even drink until you turn 21. If if those things are dangerous and should be, you know, have a, some bumpers on them, so should guns. Not yeah, gun what do, bumpers, what are you so, though. Different what are you word. so scared about? Yeah, why don't we just try this out? It doesn't seem like what's happening is working. Let's just try this out. Give it like a three-year... Yeah. Three years to see the try. Yeah, to see if the data from every other country is true. You would think. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, the daughter of a deputy sheriff was one of the 21 people killed in yesterday's shooting at that Texas elementary school. And uh, the governor did not disclose the name of the deputy sheriff or the official's daughter. But uh, finally, moving on to some other news, uh, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey has left the social media platform's board of directors just weeks after playing a key role in the company's sale to Elon Musk. The departure was planned, if you're wondering. Twitter initially announced in November that Dorsey would exit the board when his term expired at the company's 2022 shareholders meeting, and the meeting took place today. This means that all of Twitter's co- uh, founders have now severed official ties with the company. Wow. Yep. Uh, it's the end of an era. And that was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news. Well, you know what? It's the T Report. And this is, you know, a little entertainment adjacent, but I think it's really important for us to talk about because many of us shop at Walmart. Um, So Walmart is apologizing for releasing, get this, Juneteenth themed ice cream. I I just can't. Okay. So so they're facing this backlash. um, And, you know, one Twitter user pointed out that similar ice cream flavor, a similar ice cream flavor to the one that they created is uh, out there from a black-owned business that they it already exists. They could have put that on the shelves. Uh, I mean, yeah. right? The whole thing is bad. It's bad. And then get this. You know what's going around now? Pictures of their pride-themed ice cream. Also not coming from an LGBTQ-owned business. Yeah, so if you're going to do that, yeah. Have it come from a business. And what's up with the ice cream? Who said that? Like everyone needed ice cream that was themed. I don't. I don't. It's uh, maybe it's cheap to make. So they're like, let's let's appropriate some celebrations of diversity and you know inclusion. Because everyone likes ice cream for celebration. But yeah, if anything, then partner with like someone who already yes. has a company. Yes, it's weird. Don't profit off of other people's you know new found rights. Yep. Strange. Where was the focus group on that? Okay, well, next up as the Great Resignation continues, those staying put in their jobs might be dealing with a pay gap. More with Business Insider next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. If you've stayed put at your job while others have jumped ship, according to Business Insider, you might be getting paid 7% less than new hires. What? Yeah, right. Writer Aki Ito joins us to share more. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so how did you get these numbers? This is wild. Sure. The the numbers are from um, a compensation data provider called Labor IQ. They um, they calculate these recommended salaries for new hires um, for about two, twenty thousand job titles across the country, um, and they're looking at median salaries, and then they look at what a new hire should earn given the conditions of today's labor market. Uh, today's labor market is extremely hot, which is why you see these numbers for new hires that are just way higher than what everybody else is earning. And that's why you get a pay gap like this, where somebody who just joins a company is earning so much more than what an existing employee is making. This is fascinating. Um, 
So, uh, real talk, my boss is not looking at me through a window right now while I ask, how do I know if I should consider leaving my job? Well, here's the thing. Like, even if you're earning 7% less than what you might be able to make um, if you were to go to a different company, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should change jobs altogether. There are other things that lead to satisfaction in your job, including what the work culture is like and your, your benefits, that kind of thing. Um, you know, what, what I uh, heard from a lot of experts is that it's actually probably possible to negotiate a higher salary, even if you stay at your existing company, given that this pay gap exists. A lot of companies haven't addressed the disparity yet, but if you individually go to your manager, you might be able to negotiate up your salary in a way that you might not have been able to before because companies are so desperate to keep everybody on staff in this, uh, what everyone's calling the great resignation. Yeah. So how would you go about doing it? What are your tips? I mean, you cover the workplace a lot. I see your, what you're writing about for Business Insider and your feed. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing is to know what you're worth in today's market and, um, you know, for your specific job, uh, you know, given your level of experience and your location. Um, so there are a lot of websites out there um, like Glassdoor or Levels.FYI that give you a pretty good sense of what you could earn, um, you know, at each company um, and uh, in a particular job in your local labor market. And, you know, use those numbers to approach your manager and be like, look, I really have a great time working here, but I feel like I'm not getting paid as much as, you know, what the market um, uh, what, what the market uh should allow me to get paid, and you kind of start from there. But it's really important to start with that market research. Well, now that you've said that, my boss is now staring me down intently through the window. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I, how long do we think that this is going to be the case? Is it? Gonna, I mean, I hear that it's going to be a great job market for another year. I hear it could stop any minute. What, what do you know or what do we think we know about how long this job market is going to be so hot? Sure. I think if you ask me, maybe like, even two months ago, I would have been like, I don't know when this is going to end. <laughs> there is no slowing down. But but it does feel like, um, you know, the job market is starting to cool down a little bit. We're hearing about a lot of layoffs, especially in the tech sector. Um, I don't think it's going to turn into like a, a real recession anytime soon. The national layoff rate is still pretty much at a record low. Um, but it could be that the, you know, all these like crazy stories that we're hearing right now in the great resignation are going to kind of tamp down a little bit and the job market is going to come back to kind of a more normal level compared to what we've seen over the last year. Definitely. And, and do you think any of that has to do with the hybrid workplace model or what do you see as the trends moving forward in the workplace? I mean, hybrid is absolutely, I think, the, you know, the dominant um, model of work for at least like kind of higher paid white collar jobs, um, the kind of jobs that you would have called office jobs before, but they're not really office jobs anymore. Um, you know, I think a lot of companies are also more willing to hire employees remotely or let their existing employees work completely remotely compared to even just a year ago, I think. I think there's a lot more openness about remote and hybrid work um, just because we've been doing it for so long and it's worked better than I think most executives would have expected. Uh, you know, going back to layoffs, you mentioned the layoffs in the tech sector. What, what are, where are the jobs that are hottest and where, mm, yeah. you know, I would love to know, you know, I, who are my friends, like what, what professions should be like on top of this and, you know, who maybe should, you know, consider more carefully. So, I mean, you know, we have been hearing of a lot of layoffs in the tech sector, but they're kind of in a, you know, it's a small handful of companies still. I think if you are, you know, a software engineer or a data scientist, that kind of thing, there's still a ton of demand for uh, for people like that across the economy. It might have been, have been the case that, like, if you were, you know, a senior software engineer before, uh, you were getting, like, 10 job offers at once. Maybe now you're only getting five, but that you're... <laughs> 
is that you're still in yeah you're still in a really good place i'm by far you know people with technical skills um you know have have a tremendous amount of leverage in the job market right now Um, that's always been the case but it's especially the case now um and also you know people in kind of more you know hourly jobs the the kind of jobs that you don't necessarily need a college education for those people are um you know able to are gaining a lot of leverage in the job market as well in a way that we've never seen before. Um, I don't think that's going away anytime soon either. Um, So I think it's still a very favorable uh, environment for job seekers. Okay, well, that was Business Insider's Aki Ito. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, what's coming up next, Ryan? Oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite topics because I need an answer. Okay. How do I stop being attracted to unavailable people, Shira? I'm going to go outside. I'm going to leave. Oh, man. All right. Well, well, I guess I'll cover it by myself after. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So Vice is out with a how-to guide I never knew I always needed. Okay. How to stop being attracted to unavailable people. And I have to say, um, I I think I need to read this 20 more times and then take a nap. This feels so (laughs) real for me. Have you ever been attracted to unavailable people? I think we all have. Right? As much as we've learned our lessons, we can look back and we have all. Producer Jesse, have you? Yes. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. We I all mean, win. I think, I think, you know, the article goes on to talk about reasons why. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they all seem plausible. You know, not enough attention from a parent, too much attention from a parent. You know, a, a, tra- a traumatic relationship earlier on in your adult life. I mean, basically, anything that could possibly happen to you may make you <laughs> attracted to people who are unavailable. Um, so, I guess, Shira, I'm curious for you to tell me, yeah. how do you, <laughs> how have you dealt with it when you discovered that you were oh. attracted to someone unavailable? Well, the thing is... Sometimes if if you don't or you aren't you're not healed yet, right? And you haven't had that awareness and mm-hmm. now have the tools, maybe gone through therapy, you might realize it. We always have the inkling and yet we don't know what to do to stop ourselves, yeah. right? And so we that's when we do this self-torture thing where we're like doing it to ourselves and telling our friends like, oh my God, I just, I can't stop thinking about them or I can't text them even though they're not responding to me. Should I do, what should I do? What should I text them? Should I call them? But they're not getting in touch with me. Like, you know, that cycle that all of us do. I feel like that's the awareness phase, right? Where you're not completely oblivious, but you're not really changing the routine. And it's a vicious cycle that will make you crazy absolutely and And until like i don't know something really bad happens or you meet something else someone else i mean but what really changed things for me i'll tell you the book and i've talked about it on the show before the book to read if you are one of these people you find yourself in this situation read the book attached it's all about attachment theory. Yes, attachment theory. It's it's interesting you say that because when you look at the psychology of it, every behavior you repeat gets more entrenched in your brain. Oh, so if yeah. you if you have this habit, this roller coaster, this cycle, you, and the more you perpetuate in it, the more entrenched it gets in your brain, and the more likely you are to do it without even realizing it until it's too late. Scary, isn't that scary? Yeah. I, I will say though, you know, parallel to this is something I've experienced where I have found that I might not be that attracted to a person who looks some kind of way or has some kind of energetic presence but if someone similar to them is on tv or in a movie somehow i'm more attracted to that person okay i like like so like if i meet somebody Meaning they're, they're, oh you're attracted to celebrities well who is who is it right but why why you would get i be why would i be more attracted to if, if let's say we take two identical okay. people one of them's been on tv one hasn't because you're attracted to power i am <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm also a power attra- and then like someone that's completely inaccessible yeah and maybe that's why i'm attracted to narcissists Yes, probably. It's sexy when someone or you think they're owning their stuff, right? Yes. They're on top of their game. I think it says a lot about also look at it. Look at it as information of what you get to create within yourself versus searching for it as like someone representing what you want elsewhere. Well, and you know, it's funny you say that. It's I think my prob- therapy <laughs> Right. Well, the article says, and probably your book, and then another book I really like, which is called The Narcissist in Your Life, also talks about a key to this, it, to breaking the cycle is looking at your self-worth, like really working oh, on yeah. your self-worth, valuing yourself, being clear about what you deserve. Yeah. And that that helps break the cycle. Whenever I feel that anxiety coming up, and by the way, I'm in now a loving relationship, secure relationship. With a very attractive, charming man. Oh, he's great. And yet I will still find, once you find yourself in a secure relationship, guess what? This type of 
anxiety, if you've had it in intimate relationships before, it will typically move into other spaces yes. like work and sometimes friend life where you'll be with someone and if you're not getting the exact response you want or they're not responding to you in a certain way, you start questioning yourself, Yes, right? And so, yes, uh, whenever that comes up, that anxiety, I always come back to, one, recognizing it, not being like, telling myself it's dumb that I feel that way because that's repressing my feelings and not acknowledging them. Yeah, not not a judgment, just a neutral observation. Yeah, I'll just be like, okay, and I and I recognize it and I give myself some love around it. Like mm-hmm. if you heard a kid complaining about someone uh, something, you wouldn't tell them, shut the F up, right? Well, it you, depends on the kid. <laughs> you would say, honey, give me a hug. Come on, tell me more. Yeah. It's okay, all right. Do you know you're loved and you're safe? So it's kind of telling yourself that. And then it's like, yeah, I come back to what I need to do. It's like, Shira, how do you on yourself? Have you worked out lately? Are you overtired? Have mm. you spent time outside? And typically when I have that anxiety that pops up, right, where you feel insecure and a lack of confidence, it's because you're not taking care of one of those things in your life that you really need to feel good that feels like makes you feel yourself yes yes uh, for me it's binge watching star trek i i mean hey we all have our thing <laughs> i um i also i just it can't go without saying you know it's not as if once you know better it's a light switch you know it's totally and this are... is a constant thing once you have a trigger or and you know this like ryan by the way is in the life coaching space as well yeah. of it uh once you have that wound, it doesn't necessarily go away. It's just you get better at handling it. Yeah, you, you build a better relationship with exactly. it. Exactly. It's just like a relationship with another human or your dog or that lizard, that pet lizard that oh. ran away. Okay. Maybe that's just me. Wow. <laughs> How well, does that make you feel? <laughs> you know, honestly, um, I would tell you all about it, but we get to go to break. So um, I, I, this article is on Vice. Again, it's called How to... Da, 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 Stop being attracted to unavailable people. Shira, what's coming up next? Read the book attached. Okay. Next up, the trans woman who's been brought into the whole Texas tragedy. This is just wild. And of Bizarre. course, happened because of it, a conservative commentator. Who That's knew? next, yeah. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. Shira here and Ryan Basham filling in for Ryan Mitchell. Oh, hey, y'all. Hey, you, hey. Uh, and hope you're enjoying that great music here on Channel Q. More to come. Don't you worry. Just sit back and hang out with us. We've got a lot coming up on the show. We're going to be talking to the president and CEO of Stand With Parkland, who's actually a father of a, a child who died during that shooting. Unfortunately, uh, Tony Montalto joins us in 30 minutes. Plus, the Olympian skater who is coming out about her own mental health and her experience. That's in the T-Report in a moment. It's going to be good. Yep, but let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. At least 21 people, including 19 children, are dead after an active shooter incident yesterday uh, that sent a Texas elementary school into lockdown. The suspect in the shooting is dead, according to Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, And here is President Biden today. And uh, we must ask, when in God's name will we do what needs to be done to, if not completely stop, fundamentally change the amount of the carnage that goes on in this country. To state the obvious, and Corey and a lot of other people here, I'm sick and tired. I'm just sick and tired of what's going on. It continues to go on. Meanwhile, conservative commentator Candace Owens jumped into all of this uh, and posted photos, including a trans individual she falsely identified as the mass shooter in Uvalde, Texas. And this person has been revealed, uh, Sam, who's a trans woman who lives in Georgia. And Reddit user started commenting on the photo of her that she had shared on the platform three months ago. The shooter is actually has been identified as 18-year-old Salvador Ramos, who was killed on the scene by police reportedly. I just, I can't say I'm surprised. Candace Owens right. can kick rocks. But, um, you know, also, I mean, Representative Paul Gosar, who is, you know, not known for being a rational person, mm-hmm. um, has also shared this out. I mean, lots of people on the far right have. It, it's sad, but, you know, the, the right are still willing to scapegoat trans people over something they could not possibly have done. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's where we're at. It's just wild. Like, talk about misinformation, right? No kidding. Now, moving on to some good news. Colin Kaepernick, who played football last in 2016, the same year he started kneeling during the national anthem to protest racial injustice, is actually scheduled to work out this week for the Las Vegas Raiders. That's so exciting. It is. I mean, think about the journey he's had between 2016 to here and what the rest of us, the journey we've had as a society since then. The world is 
It's the same in some ways, but also very different in yes, terms of that. Change is happening. Yeah, in terms of the sports world as well, definitely. That was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News. Well, it's time for the T-Report. And speaking of the sports world, Olympian silver, Olympic silver medalist Karen Chin, uh, is, People Reports, is saying that mental health struggles made figure skating hard to enjoy for her. Mm, um, yeah. She's 22 years old, um, and she said she remembers being scared to open up about these vulnerable topics because she was afraid of people thinking, she wasn't strong enough to handle pressure um, and, and you know she she said she eventually she realized how strong one had to be to be brave and open up about these topics and she went on to say that she found it so interesting how differently mental and physical health are treated so interesting yeah that is true it's fascinating well so in honor of mental health awareness month which we've been talking about on this show uh, she's hosting an emotional fitness talk on june 1st at her alma mater connections academy so i bet you'll find that online soon very nice okay love when these athletes who a lot of people look up to speak about these important topics well coming up next all the details uh from what's happening in Uvalde, Texas, with the Washington Post, who's reporting about it and who's spoken to families and even some of the former friends of the shooter. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 